Welcome back to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, I am so excited uh, and honored to sit down and talk with Will Acuna Robinson. Um, Will is a through hiker uh, who has hiked thousands upon thousands of miles uh, since 2016, including the triple crown of through hiking. That's the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. Uh, He's also a veteran uh, who came back from Iraq struggling with PTSD. Uh, We talk quite a bit on this episode about the like healing power of nature and just being outside and kind of having that adventure and having that journey and the ups and downs along the way and how those ups and downs kind of can help you process certain situations in your life and really I think like just give you space to allow yourself to process those which is always something I am absolutely fascinated by especially with through hikes like I've I think I've said it before probably on the podcast but you know, I think it needs to be said again, like a through hike. I think a person going into a through hike and the person coming out of the through hike will always be different. Like they're always go through some sort of transformation, some sort of growth. Um, and there'll be some sort of enlightenment along the way. Like, dude, you're out in the wilderness surrounded by a community of other people who are loving doing the same thing for upwards of five months at a time. You're going through, you know, the hardcore weather. You're having the beautiful sunrises and sunsets. And all the time you're just surrounded by this community um, while also getting this solitude. Like it just seems like if, if there's something that you're needing to think through, uh, in life or just find space from like your regular routine, like a through hike is definitely, definitely one of the ways to go. And I just love what Will brings to the table here. Um, I'm on his website right now and he has a little paragraph here, but he talks about, um, good vibes is more than a saying it's a lifestyle. And that consists of putting positive energy in the world. Energy is contagious you put out positive energy and watch it spread from person to person. Good vibes alone will not change the world, but we have to start somewhere. So why not focus our energy to shine our good vibes out into the world and brighten a few people's day? I mean, when I think about my core values and I think about the things that um, I get excited about and the things I try to hopefully live up to every day, and oftentimes, you know, like, you don't, you never live up to like the ideal version of your core values all the time. But one of my core values is spreading goodness. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to spread goodness because there's so much of it out there. And I think if you're distracting yourself all the time, you can fall into the, the mindset of there's no goodness out there or goodness is rare. And just based off my experiences, the ups and the downs, like I just think that's not true. I think the goodness is around you all the time if you're opening your eyes up to it or if you're willing to share your goodness, you're going to get it right back. Um, 
So let's dive into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 292 with the absolutely amazing Will Acuna Robinson. Yeah, man, I'm just really excited to dig into your story here, kind of how it's shifted your mindset and and really just kind of hear about some of the adventures you've been on. Right. It's been a it's been a fun ride, you know. I mean, sometimes it feels like just yesterday I started hiking, you know, not six years ago, but just a testament how fun the ride has been, you know. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Um, I wanted to talk, so I I did a little bit of uh, research. Um, I read that amazing ESPN article that they wrote about you. Um, first of all, like, how did that feel? Like having ESPN reach out and and write a whole article about you. And it's still hard to believe, you know, growing up, I was an athlete, basketball, football, baseball, and every kid dreams about being at ESPN one day. But to finally make it there and as a hiker, you know, still hard to believe the ESPN, you know, really wanted to highlight through hikers. You know, I I still can't believe it. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy to think like what, how am I going to get on ESPN? I'm going to be a hiker. Like you don't hear that story that often, you know? Oh no, not, not at all. You know, when I got the call, I was like, ESPN. Yeah. Right. You know, that must be, you know, something else calling itself ESPN, but not ESPN. But, you know, to my surprise, that's what it was. That's amazing. How did they like, how did they hear about your story or whatever? Like, can you kind of give us the background of like how they, heard about you and and reached out to you and then what was it like because you know reading the article it's like oh these guys came out and joined you for a hike which is super cool you know the it was actually almost two years in the making you know uh, we uh started conversations right before the pandemic started about getting together and doing a hike in california you know uh, they saw me on i think a podcast or either a write-up somewhere and they contacted Merrill, my sponsor, to try to get in touch with me. So when they hit me up telling me ESPN, I was like, yeah, that's not right. You know, then we had some conversations, realized it was really ESPN. And, you know, we had all our details planned out. So we we're about to leave in like a week and then the lockdown orders happened. Oh. So we kept having to put it on hold, put it on hold, put it on hold. But uh, last year I was driving up to um, trail days and in, in, uh, for the PCT and everything. And they hit me up and was like, yo, we can do it now. How about right here in Washington? It's like, yeah, let's get it. So, you know, we went out hiking around Goat Rocks Wilderness for what, two or three days. You know, we had a great time. Uh, the photographer, Andy, you know, he's a avid outdoorman, but Matt, the writer, it was one of his first hikes, you know, so we took it, we took it gentle, you know, but if you've been in that area before, that shows you pretty much everything you need to know about hiking in the Pacific Northwest. So we got a full experience. And it was just a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing, man. Did he like what? I mean, it's kind of cool. Uh, the idea that you're passing off your love of being outside and, you know, doing through hikes and stuff. Um, what did what did Matt kind of learn from that? Like being with you, like, are you passing that love off to him? And was he like, did he kind of have his mind mindset shifted through that? You know, I think he really enjoyed it. He uh, talked about possibly doing a through hike of the Tahoe Rim Trail one day with his brother. And it was like, you know, if I'm a small part and this is a small part of getting you out on trail, man, that's that's dope. That's so, so I'm cool. hoping to see some posts one of these days of him out there in Tahoe just getting it in. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking my daughter I'm on her first backpack this summer. She's eight. And I'm like, dude, what, like, how is she going to respond to this? Like, I'm hoping it's kind of like one of those, like really thing, like something she connects with like really well, you know? Oh yeah, probably so. You know, if pops loves it. Yeah. Little one's probably (laughs) going to love it to him. I hope so. Um, I wanted to hear, I want to kind of start with this idea. Like, I think one of the things I'm really kind of focused on with doing the podcast is how does adventure like affect your mindset, you know? Um, and I heard this on a podcast. I'm pretty sure I heard it on like rich Roll. I don't know if you ever listened to any of his stuff, but he was talking about mindset follows action. And so like knowing a little bit about your story, do you think mindset follows action or do you think it's the other way around where like action follows mindset, where it's basically like, you got to start doing shit before your brain changes. You know, you can't wait for the inspiration to hit. You just have to go out and like, start, start doing it. You know, I, I actually kind of think it just really depends on your situation. Yeah. You know, like when I started hiking, I was totally not in the right mindset to just get through my day to day. The action of hiking allowed me to get into the right mindset. And then other situations, you know, my mind is there. I have to be in the right space. Like when I was going to hike the North Country Trail and like, what two years ago, you got to be in the right mindset before you can even think about those actions. So I think it just really depends on the situation and the time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you kind of like, I mean, I know you've told your story and how you've started and all of that many, many times, but um, can you kind of, you know, I, I know that hiking has been this big shift for you and kind of a life-changing experience. Can you kind of like give us a little bit of the background there? Uh, sure. You know, I'm, I started hiking in 2016 to help with PTSD, but the the dream of through hiking actually started in 2003, back when I was stationed in Iraq. You know, people would send books and magazines to the soldiers there to help keep us occupied. And one of those things was a guidebook for the Pacific Crest Trail. And I used to look at this thing like every day out there, you know, it became like my escape. And I remember thinking that I would love to try this one day. But, you know, after my military service, I was disabled. I have bad knees. I have a reconstructed hand and wrist, PTSD. You have doctors and family members and everyone telling you what you can't and can't do anymore. So I kind of just let that dream die. And in uh, 2016, I was in my room one day, depressed as I usually was. It had been like the last five or six years where I, I basically didn't leave my house. And that night, Wild was on TV. And, you know, I'm watching Reese with a spoon struggle with that big backpack. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if that's that trail I read about back in Iraq. So, you know, I pulled up Google and I did a little research, realized it was that trail and people still hiked it. And I don't know why, but at that moment, I knew that's what I needed to do. If I was going to get out of the funk I was in and start feeling like myself again, I needed to be hiking. So I didn't know what I was doing. I started ordering gear right then and there. I got a permit that night. Two weeks later, I was on the P, uh, the PCT, just ready to go. That's dude. And you, you had never like, I mean, obviously you had experience in the military, which I'm assuming there's a little bit of crossover there with backpacking, you know, like carrying the gear and all that, but you had never like done anything like that before. None, not, not even close, you know, hike, um, marching in the military with the rucksack is one thing, but yeah, hiking or backpacking in the, in the back country that was totally new to me. Yeah. What was it like about seeing her lugging that gear and that movie that like you really like got connected to? You know, I think 
it was partly because she was there and she was working out some things she needed to work out for, with her. And, you know, as I watched the movie and as I watched it progress, she seemed like she reached that goal. You know, I, I know a lot of through hikers like to give Cheryl straight business because she didn't hike the entire trail, but she did what she needed to do. She got yeah. what she needed to get out of it. And it was like, you know, maybe it's just fake. I've read about this trail. I need a pick me up in my life and I'm watching someone get that pick me up in their life on this trail so i just had to go you know just that moment i knew this is what i need to do yeah can you kind of like put us in your mindset on like day one like you show like <laughs> you're yeah what was that like like you show up there and you're like i guess i just start walking you know i i got dropped off by a great trail angel in san diego his name was bob and the sun wasn't even up yet <laughs> and you know He's getting ready to leave and he tells me, you know, the gravity of what you're getting yourself into is going to become clear to you as you watch my taillights disappear. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And as I watch those taillights disappear and no one else is there, it's like, yeah, he was right. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess we're going. I'm not sure. And I just started hiking out, you know, and I'm thinking I'm doing pretty good. And like four miles in, I keep hearing stuff on the ground. It sounds like hoofbeats, like horses just coming up turn around and it's like three or four hikers you know they have bright outfits and little Jansport looking backpacks and my pack was probably 50 or 60 pounds and they just go shooting past me and at that moment that's when I started thinking what in the world did I just get myself into you know I don't know what I'm doing here I don't know how I got here but I'm here now so let's make the best of it let's see what's gonna happen you know my first night uh in my tent you know I have to tell the truth. I probably spent most of the night in the fetal position just thinking just that, what the hell did I get myself into? Yeah. Was that, I mean, that I feel like the first night has to be when it, I don't know. I, I've never through hiked. And so you're going to have to tell me, but I feel like that first night is when it has to like set in like the reality of the situation. Uh, definitely. I mean, it sets in it seeps in, you know, probably even before I got to my campsite, you know, I think my first day I did like 15 miles, probably around mile 10, it kicked in that, you know, this isn't just a walk, you know, this is a, a marathon. This is something that is going to take me actually being mentally involved and physically involved to get anywhere near the end of this. So 10 miles in, I knew I was in it. <laughs> when does it, so the thing that's always fascinated me about through hiking and the idea of it is you just, that's what you're doing for five months, you know, like that's the thing you're just, you wake up and you're, that's what you're doing. You're just going forward. Like, when does that, when does that shift happen where like all of a sudden now you're like, that's what you're doing. And you're kind of letting go of some of like the quote unquote regular life stuff. You know, it, it probably kicks in right when you develop your routine. Yeah. You know, it's like even after my first trail, you know, my second, my third trail, it takes usually a couple of days for myself to, to find that routine, you know, where you're packing your pack the same way, everything's going in your tent the same way to break down early in the morning. But about a week, you get that routine. And from there, you know, it's like, this is my everyday. This is my world. You know, everything else going on off trail has nothing to do with me this only thing i need to know is am i going the right direction and where's the water at so it's about a week yeah is there any resistance in your mind like 
to get into that zone, like where you're like, I don't know if I, if I want to, or I don't know, like it's kind of has to be kind of like a weird experience. Uh, for me, it's no resistance. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's <laughs> my happy place. <laughs> yeah. That's where I want to be, you know, it's yeah. resistance when I'm back home, you know, I need to go to Walmart. Then it's like a fight in my brain. Like you need to go. No, you don't need to go. So I had to convince myself to, you know, do that, but out on trail now nah, I'm just welcoming it. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. In what ways? So, um, you know, you talked about PTSD and how it, how it helped you deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. and it just seems like this is like the whole outdoor, like there's so many kind of like people promoting outdoors as a way to deal with trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. like even, I mean, to a lesser extent, probably for some, but like the pandemic lockdowns, like instantly people were like, you need to get outside every day for, you know, your mental health or whatever. Like, what's your reflection? Like, why do you think that is a way to kind of like help heal or process certain, certain experiences. You know, I think it's important because it's the one of the few places that we have where we have the opportunity to work on us with no mm-hmm. distractions. <clears throat> you yeah. know, when you're in your normal life, it's the cell phone going off all the time, you know, or the job, the family, the friends, you know, it's all kind of things that take your, your mind off of, you know, self-care, you know, taking care of you. When I'm out in the back country, especially that first season, I had so much time to just concentrate on taking care of myself, thinking things through, you know, thinking about decisions I made, how I could have done them differently, you know, where I was in my life. And it, it was the first time, I, I think, since I got out of the military, you know, like 12 years where the focus focal point was me. You know, that was the only thing I had to worry about. So I think that's a big part of it. And when you have PTSD, we usually end up shutting ourselves down to everything else. You know, we avoid social interactions. We don't feel like we're very productive. And, you know, through hiking made me have to be productive. I mean, every day you have to put those miles in. Otherwise, you know, your food bag is going to run short. So I felt like I was accomplishing things again. And that was a feeling I hadn't had for a long time. So, you know, it did a lot of, of good for me to help with PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. And then is there any of the like communal, like, I mean, you know, I always hear about the community on the through hikes, like just being just a really nice accepting place to be. Is that kind of part of that process too? Definitely. You know, when I, when I'm my first through hike, I was expecting to be five and a half, six months out there totally by myself, (laughs) you know? By day one, you learn that that's not right at all. I mean, there's plenty of people that are out on these hikes and it is an entire community. And the thing that was really surprising to me was I craved being social, you know? After almost a decade of trying to avoid social environments, I found myself out there after a couple of days just wanting to be around people, wanting to have that community. I mean, the camaraderie reminded me a lot of being a soldier. And it was something that, you know, I didn't know I missed until I was out there and, and engaging and interacting. It was like, dude, now that's one of my favorite parts of a through hike. Yeah. Yeah. I, is there a part of it? Like, <clears throat> I feel like out there, it's probably allowing you to connect at like a deeper level, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's the thing that's crazy to me, man. Like we can go to the grocery. Like, I could go to the grocery store right now and connect with somebody at a deeper level if I want, to, if I wanted mm-hmm. to, but you tend, I don't know if it's something about like being in your regular routine or the distractions but you tend to avoid that. But then oh, yeah. for some reason in nature or out in the wilderness, like 
it just allows you to kind of like open up at this level. I don't know. Uh, definitely. I mean, you, you become family quick, you know, you, you, you meet people and by day one, they may know more about you than someone, you know, for five or six years, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, you're, it's almost like, you know, being on a team, we're yeah. all in this together. We have the same goal. We all want to accomplish it the same around the same time. We have the same mileage goals. So, you know, we lean on each other. That person is going to be that motivation to, to keep you hiking that day. You don't want to get out of your bag. You know, you might be that person that leads them through the snow in the Sierra. So, I mean, you develop that tight bond because you really do depend on each other out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, um, all you can do is talk, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, of course, we're going to connect at a deeper level. Cause after like an hour, you're like, we ran out of the like surface level stuff. Now we have to go I'm deep right. and get Big weird. Time. <laughs> Big time. And somehow we'll always end up on politics for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah those you don't avoid those ones <laughs> you know in my average everyday life you know you try to avoid it but once you've been hiking with a person long enough it's like okay let's go ahead and have the conversation we can talk about this <laughs> let's get it out of the way yeah but that's oh, good yeah. though like i think that's um i think there's something to be said about being like feeling out of like a safe place with somebody you know mm -hmm. to be willing to like dive in on these like bigger world problems you know exactly no, that's awesome man so i gotta hear a little bit about the trail name akuna i i love it i respect it like you know it's the whole uh i mean i guess i want to hear where you got it from first you know i get it uh probably around day two from a, a hike i wasn't uh, hiking with her name was cookie at the time and uh, i remember we were sitting around one day and she was asking me a lot of questions like you know i heard that this was going to be a rough snow year you know, what are we going to do when we get to, to the Sierras? Like, yeah, I'm not worried about it. It's 700 miles before we get there. We'll figure it out. But, you know, it's a dry year here in the desert. What are you going to do about water? It's like, you know, I'll figure it out. I'm not going to worry about it. And after a while, she's just like, you don't try to worry about much, do you? It's like, that's what I do in my normal life. I worry about everything. I overplan and overplan and hesitate and then do nothing. Here, I'm only going to worry about two things. Am I going the right direction? And where's the next water? And then uh, she started calling me No Worries, which changed into Akuna Matata and now Akuna. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, I have to think like, you know, most most people aren't getting their trail name on day two, you know, like that's pretty special. Oh, yeah. It's like my girlfriend undecided. She hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and didn't get a trail name until midway through the Continental Divide. So she was almost finished a Triple Crown before she took a trail name. <laughs> what's her what's her trail name? undecided oh undecided nice nice yeah. because she didn't have a trail name that long is that why yeah she was like uh we were around some hikers and they asked why she didn't have a trail name she was like i've gotten so many but i'm just really indecisive it's like she really is i mean she's undecided about all kind of things and it's like aha you know <laughs> what yeah that's it that'll work <laughs> you're like i got my trail name day two no big deal uh <laughs> <laughs> um that's awesome i want to hear so I love the idea. That's like one of my favorite things. And I, I haven't quite been able to like figure out why, but like the idea of a trail name is something that I think is something that's so unique and special about hearing about through hiking. Can you kind of talk like, why do you think that happens specifically in this, in this kind of like deal, you know, in this adventure? You know, I think it's partly because, you know, 
so many first names are common so they're harder to remember a person by yeah but i think the other part is you know people come to trail and they're excited they want to get that trail name because it's like shedding society off of you for the rest of that through hike you know i mean for people who continue hikes maybe while where they're home they're bill but you know when they get the trail they get to be beaver again you know or mumbles or rubber a rubber ball and it's a weight off of their shoulders yeah so uh, you know i think that's a big part of it you know it's just being able to strip society off and become you know i guess you can call it your wilderness person and for a lot of people i think that's their best self yeah that's what i wanted to get into i guess is i've talked to a couple like athletes who mentioned this idea of like alter ego so it's the idea of like when they're playing football or whatever, mm-hmm. they have this alter ego that they're trying to like embrace, you know? And I was wondering if you thought like maybe the trail name thing is kind of like an alter, alter ego where they get to embrace this other side of them, which ultimately might be more closely to who they are, like actually, like who mm-hmm. they are at their core. I, I think so. And then I think the trick becomes bringing your alter ego back home with you, you know, bringing those qualities that you find that are all around you when you're in the wilderness areas and bringing them back to you, society with you. And that's the trick to it. Yeah. And I think I, I think I watched one of the videos about you on YouTube and I think you might've said every hike, I become more Akuna than will, um, which I love, but I love that idea. Like, really the ultimate goal is shouldn't you be that way always, you know? Um, exactly. But what, what are some of the challenges? Like when you get home and you're, you're back and you're, um, you know, at your home, like what are some of the challenges of like kind of preventing people from becoming that, uh, like they're who they are at their core? You know, I mean, when you're out there, it's, it's easier <clears throat> to be you because of the freedom you have, you know, less restrictions. When you come back home, you know, most are at the mercy of a nine to five somewhere. Yeah. So when they go to that nine to five, they usually get the guess they can't feel like they don't feel like they can present themselves without being judged. You know, our, our society is horrible for that. I mean, for anyone that doesn't believe that, just look at TikTok or Instagram <laughs> half the time. We're always judging each other, you know, and we can be really, really cool, if, cruel to each other if we're not similar or we're not the same. So I, I think for a lot, you know, it's about building that confidence to be yourself while you're back home and things like people judging you, your nine to five, all the distractions and the the idea that what people think you should be overpowers them into being themselves. Yeah, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I teach middle school. So I teach like this leadership class. Mm-hmm. And this week we just started like narrowing down our core values and really like trying to be like, what are these? We, I gave them a list of 500 words and then they had to narrow it to 20 and then 10 and then five. And they thought they were done. And I'm like, now you got to do two. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> Mr. Ward. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> but I think it's important to really understand like what is, I think if you understand what is important to you, then it's harder to be shook by like the external stuff. Like you just mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. it's, it's about, you know, shaking those societal norms, you know, you don't have to be what someone else wants you to be, you can be you and once you get the confidence to be able to, to be you 24 seven on trail or off trail, that's when happiness is found, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So what do you I mean, I, 
without having to give you 500 words, what, what do you think like at the core, like what are some important things to you, especially through this new kind of journey you've taken over the last six years? And the, the most important things to me, they don't haven't changed much in my life. You know, it, it's my family, the people I call friends, the people that are close to me and the things I believe in, you know, those things will always be the most important things to me. You know, I'm one of those people where I generally just, I really don't care what other people think about me. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do what I do because I believe this and I have these people behind me. And so those are the most important things. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, So how did it feel to get through the Pacific Crest Trail? Like what were the challenges um, that you, you know, faced? I- you know, I first attempted in 2016. I didn't finish it that year. Dislocated my knee on Mount Whitney, oh. and I hopped around Oregon. But total that year, I went 1,600 miles. Dang. But before I even went home, I knew I was going to come back. So yeah. 17, I went back to the beginning in Campo. And 17 was a rough, rough year for the PCT. You know, it was a heavy snow year in the Sierra. It was wildfires all over the place. So completing the trail in a year like that, you know, it, it was it was bittersweet as usual because, you know, you're ready for the trail to end, but not the journey. But I was really, really, you know, just pumped. I mean, if you'd have told me two, three years earlier that I'd be able to accomplish something like that. I would have told you, yeah, you, you're tripping. No, nah, no way in the world could I have done that. So, you know, I was kind of overjoyed with feelings. You know, I'm not a big emotional person. I don't show them that way. Yeah. You know, you kind of just see me get quiet, like I'm thinking really hard. Yeah. And, you know, I think I was like that probably for the first two or three weeks afterwards. And then it was on to planning the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. How, what was the snow like? I think I actually, t- I might have talked to a few people who did it that year. You know, it was, uh, it was rough. I mean, there was no trail most of the time. And like uh, campsites in 2016 that I had camped at that had bare boxes and things like that in 17 there was no trace of any of it because it was all buried underneath the snow so that was bad but once it started melting the all the water crossings is really what made it dangerous that year yeah are you teaming up with people and that kind of stuff to get through that yeah i had a trail family of uh four by the time we got to kennedy meadows but that year you know it was always the more the merrier so even if you had a trail family, as you got to Kennedy Meadows and got north, you usually picked up a few more people, yeah. you know, strength in numbers. Yeah, for sure. Um, tell me about Appalachian Trail then, or Appalachian. Yeah. Sorry, I, I was in, like, I even have a Virginia shirt on, <laughs> but I'm from Iowa. So, like, we moved to Virginia. I'm like, hey, guys, Appalachian Trail. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I got on the, the, the AT, the Appalachian Trail, and within, say, 40 miles, I absolutely hated the trail. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it took it took me some time, you know, and talking to people to start looking at it in a different light. You know, see, being that I had experience on a trail, I had something to compare the AT to. And if you've ever been on the East Coast hiking and the West Coast hiking, you know, these are two things you can't compare. They are completely different. Yeah. You know, and once I stopped comparing it to the PCT and started embracing the Appalachian Trail and the people that hiked that trail, the towns, the communities, I started having a really, really good time. But, you know, to this day, I would still say mentally it was the toughest trail. Yeah. And it was the toughest because there's so many places for you to bail out. 
You know, every day you're going to pass two or three gaps. And when you're wet and soggy for days or hours, it's very tempting to just call it a wrap. So mentally, it was really tough to stay on that trail. Yeah. What do you do when your mind's kind of telling you like, dude, you could you could tap out here and it'd be fine? You know, on the Appalachian Trail, I had such an awesome trail family. They actually helped keep me on that trail. You know, just like most of the, the people in my family, they were first time hikers with the exception of undecided. And, you know, I love to see the progress. I love to see how they grow. You know, sometimes they doubt themselves early on and then become the strongest hikers you've ever seen, you know, a couple hundred miles down the road. So watching them grow and us having our conversations and having a great time kept me out there. I wanted to see what would happen next. Yeah. And that's awesome, man. Like mentioning like the transformation that you're seeing in people. Like, is that something that's like kind of hooks you into it? Um, most definitely. Yeah. It's like, you know, even with, as far as backpacks go, it's like, I know a lot of people will shame you if you're not ultra light, but you can do a through hike without being ultra light. You know, I mean, when you stand in that terminus, you might see somebody with a 45, 50 pound pack and maybe they're struggling, but they're getting their miles in. Two to 300 miles later, you see that pack down at 30 pounds, yeah. 25 pounds, and they progress and they get stronger. They were doing 10 miles at the beginning. Now they can do 25. That's and crazy, it's a beautiful dude. thing to see when that confidence hits them, you know, and, and their head is up higher. And you can just tell something has changed inside this person. You know, it's, it's an awesome thing to see. That's awesome. And then to see that in like everybody you're you're hiking with or passing, you know, like you're seeing that in more than one person a day, you know, like uh, think about it, man. Like most people are probably not seeing that in their daily life that often, you know, mm -hmm. but then you're seeing it every day from multiple people. Like that's really, really cool. It's like being around like a child yeah. and they get that puzzle and they're trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And then there's that point you look down at them and you see they figured it out. They know what to Dude, do. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with first time hikers on the trail. You know, you see them doubting themselves, you see them struggling, and then you see that light bulb moment happen. Oh. Like, oh yeah, I, I, I got this. I can actually do this. And that's just beautiful. Dude, that just gave me chills because as a teacher, that's like the thing that I like. Like, that's why I do it. You know, you get those moments where they, you see it, you see it click and you're like, what? No. And it's awesome, man. It's so, it's hard to even describe, but it's so cool. You know, I think I ride on their excitement just as much as they do. <laughs> Sometimes I might be a little more excited. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what any particular like stories you remember from the Appalachian trail or like places oh, that stood out or like on that topic from the Appalachian Trail, met a hiker that went by ET early on, and that, that stood for emergency tuna. And you know, we would get we would leave, we would camp at the same place where a lot of times my trail family and her, and we would go on to the next shelter, set up tents, be eating dinner, and she would always come in last. And she would talk to us about being slow or not being able to do the mileage and you know, doubting or doubting if she could finish it. And she was down a lot. And then, uh, you know, like on most through heights, you do lose touch with people. So for months, had no clue what happened with their hike until the day that we were finishing the trail, climbing to Totten. You know, we get about two miles from the sign 
and look up and here comes E.T. coming down Katahdin. No. And, you know, we had a great reunion and it was like, you know, I remember months ago you were doubting yourself, talking about your slow, you know, you can't do the mileage and you beat us here and are on your way down before we even touch the sign. I mean, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so amazing, dude. So then you go from that to continental divide. Like, was it three years right in a row? Uh, four years in a row. Four years. Oh yeah. Cause the yeah. two, yeah, man. So I just think like, I was thinking about this when I was preparing to talk with you is like, how cool would it be to know that you've gone across the United States three separate times, like completely well, I mean, I guess AT is not completely, but you get the point, like essentially, but you've gone across it in all these different locations. Like, I think, I think that's amazing. You know, when I look at a map, it's still hard to believe. It's like, there's no way that I walk from this point to that yeah. point. That's, that's not possible. Yeah. But you know, I have the scars and, you know, the <laughs> memories and the pictures to prove it. Oh uh, man, what's the what's the CDT like in comparison to the other two? Because I know the other two kind of get more of the press and the hype a little bit. You know, I think the CDT, I think it's a combination of the two. You know, you get West Coast style hiking and scenery, but you get a lot of the East Coast physicality, especially when mm. you get to like the Colorado areas. And beautiful, beautiful trail. It is probably most of it is more remote than pretty much anything you're going to encounter on the other two trails. It's like you get out there and you really feel like, yes, I'm in the back country. There's no roads. Most of the places you're not seeing, you know, things like day hikers anywhere near as much as you do on the other the other yeah. two trails. And, you know, you, you kind of feel like you're your bare growls and you're in survival mode. There's no one here. This is this is our home here. You yeah. know, if I see someone it's a high percentage chance it's a through hiker unless yeah. we're like within 10 or 15 miles of towns how many like how many people are you meeting on that one um me and undecided uh we started super early we were so excited we didn't wait to wait long so we had maybe 10 people on the shuttle with us when we got dropped off by the time we got 100 miles in i want to say or to wherever silver city is we didn't see anyone again for months you know, we didn't really start seeing other people until we were almost out of Colorado around Steamboat Springs is when we started seeing other hikers again. You know, Dude. so we went, I would say a good two and a half to three months where it was just us. Wow. What that's you know? like, dude, that has to be kind of a weird I don't know. I don't want to say like level up, but like a different level of experience than if you're oh, yeah. that isolated, you know, like, no. how did you guys handle that? We, we make it work. You know, it's yeah. like with me and her, we have our days where we uh, hike single file and we'll start that way in the morning. We'll have all kinds of conversations and then we'll slowly pull apart. And we have a thing where we will hike two hours, stop, wait for the other to catch up, talk about our days, you know, conversate and we'll keep going. And we found things like audiobooks, yeah. you know, download audiobooks. We download the same one, listening to it while we're hiking. And then when we would take our breaks, we, we would discuss what happened. And, you know, these were things that kind of kept us focused and kept us okay out there by ourselves. But I have to say, we had a good time doing it. But uh, I think we were both looking forward to towns whenever we got to it. I'm sure undecided was because I wanted to, I can talk all day about nothing. And I'm sure I was working her nerves a few times. So it's like, yes, town, different people, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine, man. Dude, that's awesome. Well, I wanted to hear uh, 
I wanted to hear a little bit about like, I think it's just kind of a cool, like full circle thing a little bit where, you know, I'm trying to remember how to pronounce her name, but Cheryl Strayed, is that how you said mm-hmm. it? Okay. Yeah. So she shared her story, you know, like she had this experience, shared it. I read the book. I, I enjoyed it. Um, the movie, all that. And that connected to you. And then now you're going out and you share your story and I just have to like, have you ever like tried to like comprehend or think about like how your story is connecting with other people? You know, I, I get messages from people all the time saying that, you know, they heard my story and it, it and it helped them with fight their PTSD or they got out in nature to help and has been helping them. I get messages from, you know, fellow black people who say they've always wanted to hike and always thought that this wasn't a safe place for them. But they saw me out there doing my thing and they figured, you know, if he's doing it, then I can go do it, too. And, you know, that's that's so it's so much, it brings me so much joy to know that I can help other people in that way. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm by nature, I'm a selective sharer. I was always taught my whole life to keep your business out the streets. And so I share the things that I want to share. Yeah. And, you know, that's it. But the things I do share, they're helping a lot of people get into these spaces and helping them with their mental health. And, you know, it's it's a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just think it's so cool that like, you know, five, 10 years from now, someone might be sharing a story about how through hiking changed them. And it's because they listened to you on a like something, a podcast or read the ESPN article or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's obviously like the most beautiful thing you can do is spread goodness and and share this these good ideas and and share like life-changing things with other people like i think it's awesome man definitely definitely it's, it's such an awesome thing you know when i see those in my inboxes you know i, I can't help but smile the rest of the day <laughs> you know it, it's not even that i inspired a person is that you know this person has found something that's either their outlet or something that's helping them and you know seeing other people doing well you know, it, it brings joy to me. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, I've, I've asked a couple of people this, but you know, we can always ask about like the big ups and the lowest lows and all those moments, but like, what is it about just like a normal day out on the trail? Like maybe it's a little thing that you just really appreciate that, that, you know, maybe you, maybe people don't ask about nearly as much. Like, is there these little things that you just really enjoy that's kind of like hard to describe you know the thing i I enjoy most is just the ability to dis the disconnect i mean yeah you have no clue how much your phone rings and the notifications pops up until they stop coming (laughs) you know i mean it's it's one of those things that you we don't notice during our normal days how many notifications we get all day we're just programmed to just automatically swipe and get rid of them or check them out but it's just all day. It consumes so much time. So that's what I, I really, really love about getting out in nature is when I get to this point where that cell phone just goes out and it's just silence. You know, there's no distractions at all that in my audio book that I might be listening to or that wildlife coming through. I mean, it gives you the ability to, to be present, yeah. you know, to be able to take, around, take in the environment, the surroundings, the sounds, the sights, the smells. And all the things that we miss because all the distractions of society. Yeah, man. Well, think about it, dude. Like to get into the zone of anything, like whatever you're doing, like that's what I actually have enjoyed about doing this podcast is because 
for 30, 40 minutes, like I don't think about anything else except listening, like listening to people, you know, telling Mm -hmm. me their stories and their thoughts, but it is like you get in the zone on anything and then your phone buzzes and now you're out of the moment and you're thinking, even if you don't check it, you're still thinking of it. And I'm like, man, it's just, it's very disruptive. Like, I don't know, but I agree with you when I've been out there on certain trips or runs or whatever, like that's exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing that really draws me back. And the the other thing that's pretty big that draws me there like that is it's a a small thing. And no one has ever asked me this This is the first time I'll talk about it, but it's the one place where my mind goes silent. Yeah. You know, I think about 30,000 things a day, usually simultaneously. It's just always going. It's part of the reason why I have insomnia. You know, it's hard for me to sleep because I've always got stuff on my mind. But once I get into a hike and I get into that zone, silence, you know, I can concentrate on one thing at a time. And, you know, when you're used to just a whole bunch of jumbled up thoughts coming through your brain all the time, being able to lock down on one or two is peace. I mean, it's just so peaceful. Do you ever do you like set out on a hike or or even like day hikes or whatever? Do you ever set out? with the goal of like, I'm going to think about this one thing or is it, are they like naturally arising? It just naturally comes. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, I, even when it, when I'm on trail and it narrows down a one or two, it's not me trying. It just happens. You know, so I try to just silence everything I'm thinking of and focus on one thing. Yeah. I'll lose that fight every time. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, dude, that's what I love too. Cause it's like, you go on an adventure and what you're you're going out there and you know you're gonna learn something about yourself but you're like i don't even know what that's gonna be yet like i can't wait till i get to the end of this and then i'll know what i learned (laughs) you know i don't know how to describe it (laughs) i feel you i feel you (laughs) um dude can you kind of like talk a little bit about real quick as we're wrapping up like you know obviously you did the triple crown those are the big through hikes but i know there's all these amazing smaller through hikes and by smaller, I just mean like less distance, like throughout the United States mm-hmm. or in other parts of the world. Like, can you kind of talk ab- about some of those that you've you've gone through? Yeah, I've, I've uh, done the uh, Tile Rim Trail last year. You know, it's about 200 miles. Uh, <laughs> me and Undecided when did that together. We were thinking, uh, you know, it, it'll be a little hike, but Tile Rim Trail is a, th- a legit through hike. You know, anyone training for a long distance hike or just once they get the feel of a through hike without committing five to six months on it, great hike for that. You know, I mean, you start at one town and the next town is like your official midway point. So not a heavy <laughs> carry, you yeah. know, not a lot of planning, but it's a good one to cut your teeth on. Then uh, that same year last year, I hiked the Arizona trail, you know, and that was one where I finally got to cross the Grand Canyon off my bucket list. You know, I had been wanting to go my whole life and to, to see it for the, you know, the first time hiking through it. And that, that was beautiful. Dude, I got to ask you, cause I saw it for the first time last year too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think my mind was blown ever since then. Like nothing yeah. looks big now. I'm like, dude, once uh, you're at man. the bottom there and you look up, you're like, no, no other mountain, no other cliffs like look mm-hmm. big anymore. <laughs> and you can drive up to say the North Rim or the South Rim, but until you go down in the yeah. canyon, you really can't grasp the, how yeah. you know just vast this area is. Yeah, man. You know, and anybody goes out there, fun fact for you: down in the canyon is super hot. <laughs> you may not expect it, 
<laughs> but it, it is so much hotter down there than it is around the rims. So if you're going down in the canyon and you start off in a jacket, you may be in shorts by the time you get to the bottom. It was brutal, man. Like, yeah, I think it got to like 110, but I went in May. So, you know, you're not used to any hot temperatures yet because it's mm-hmm. May and we're down there and it's 110 and you're, you climb out for like 11 miles. It's nonstop climbing out. And there's like, I don't know if you pass, uh, you probably passed it, but the sign of like someone throwing up on the side, you know, there's like a sign, like (laughs) don't get heat stroke. And I was just standing by the sign. Like, that's exactly what I want to do right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they they need to have signs, more signs up about trail runners though. When you're hiking through there, That is something you're going to have to consciously be aware of is trail runners in both directions. You know, they're doing their rims, the rims all the time. And most of them are uh, very friendly people. Most of them, you know, will acknowledge you and say hello and things. And then there's others that kind of just, you know, get out of my way. I'm running the rim to rim. You're just uh, a speed bump. Just move. Oh, my God. I actually had one clip me with his knee or a pole or something as I was going up the Grand Canyon to the North Rim, I mean, to the South Rim this past hike, and I had a hip problem the rest of the entire no trail. No way. Oh. You know, clipped me and just kind of kept going. I don't even know if he knew he hit me. He was just coming downhill really fast and a little out of control. And, you know, you do have some of those out there. But for the majority of the runners out there, it was just great people. Hey, for them. Got to keep your head on the swivel. Yeah, for this runner, I was it, I stopped running. There was no point where I was running again at there. Mm-hmm. I was like, as we were going up, I'm like, there's no way I'm running any of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, I get it. They come downhill so fast and a little out of control because you're trying to make up that time before you climb up the other way. I guess, man. I was yeah. terrified going down too. I was like, I don't want to look down mm-hmm. the cliffs. Like, I don't know. Is oh, yeah, it's awesome, man. Like, I loved that experience. Like, yeah so but, you know, it's definitely an area where running or hiking you have to be conscious of other people yeah oh yeah for sure and there were so many people there actually it's something that i liked about it was um as i was going up like i said it was like 110 degrees like ridiculously hot and i love the idea of like it was really busy that day i don't know it was just like a really busy day, but I love the idea of everyone having their own adventure here and everyone kind of suffering together. Like yeah. even people who went down like two miles and then back up, they were suffering and people who went all the way across and back were suffering. And it was just like this communal, like, Oh my God, this is rough. Oh yeah. You know, there's the outpost down there at the bottom of the canyon. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called right uh, now. Phantom Ranch. Phantom Ranch. Yeah. Everybody congregates there nice and sweaty and worn out and just hot and sticky. You know, they have the water fountain out there. Everybody's splashing water on each other. It's like, <laughs> okay, you know, it's not just me. We're all feeling this with him. Yeah, that's right? cool. Man. And this is bringing us together. We're going <laughs> to talk about, you know, how cool this is, but how much it sucks. And we're just going to bond over that yeah well what was the rest of the uh arizona trail like like is it is it busy at all or is it pretty sparse you know for the most part i didn't really see a a lot of say through hikers i mean i I was able to camp with through hikers i think twice the whole trail because of the pace i was keeping and you know i ended up finishing in like 35 days because i had an event going on in um Huntsville, alabama for veterans and i was not going to miss that yeah so I, I was pretty much in dip mode kicking rocks most of the time 
but um, a lot of the times when you would get to roads and things, I mean, there was a, a good bit of people coming out camping for the weekend or hiking yeah. for the weekend. So it's always nice passing them up and, you know, maybe trying to yogi that apple that they got hanging off the back of their backpack. You know, uh, anybody doesn't know yogi is trying to get somebody to give you something without asking for it. Yeah. You know, so man, you it, got an it, apple there. Oh, that looks. Yeah, it looks good. Oh, man. Anytime you see fruit on trail, it's like, yes, I want that. You know, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So plenty of opportunities for that. I mean, but all in all, the Arizona Trail is just a beautiful, beautiful trail. I mean, it was overgrown in some areas and you have to get used to, you know, keeping an eye out for cat claws because those thorns, they go into your shins, they tear flesh. But once you start picking up the tricks that you need on that trail, it's just a smooth, beautiful ride. That's awesome. Is there any that you have yet to do that you're like i'm definitely doing that soon you know this year my plan was the teora but um backed off of that with covid protocols you know in new zealand that they closed the borders uh, <clears throat> oh, okay. a lot quicker than we do here yeah and it was like if i put all my eggs in that basket you know then i would lose the u.s hiking season because they hike later in our, our year there so I'm putting that one probably on the back burner. And this year I'm thinking uh, I might end up doing two to three smaller trails. Right now, I got my eyes kind of on the Ozark Highland Trail in Arkansas, maybe the Pinhoti Trail from Georgia mm. to Atlanta. And then I might connect it to uh, the Appalachian Trail and just make it a springer and then hang out at Amicalola, you know, see all the hikers starting their AT hike. And then maybe toward the end of the year, the Ice Age Trail through Wisconsin. Yeah, man. My dad lives in Wisconsin. Um, and I talked to, uh, I don't know, um, Corey Woltering, and he had set the FKT on the Ice Age Trail, which was oh, and, I, dude, obliterated it. I, crazy wow. story. Crazy. He was talking about like ticks and like, there's a, I think they did a like short film about it. And he's like, I can't walk. And then he's in his bed and they're like, camera people are coming in. And he's like, no. I guess and he just gets up and just starts going for it. It's nuts. I have I have yet to meet Corey in perfect, but I'm person, but I, I saw a post of him while he was attempting his FKT and he was on an FKT and he was just talking to this little boy. You know, he, he took the time to slow down in the middle of FKT to just spend some time and share some words with this little boy. It's like, yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He, he's got a fan here. Yeah. He's cool, man. He's super cool. Um, I had to ask you this last question. I was looking through your Instagram and I think you were talking about the ESPN article and you're talking about all the sports you played. Uh, and you mentioned cricket uh, and I'm like, dude, I don't, I think I watched cricket once when I was in college, there was like a club and I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I barely know. You know, I was, a, you know, I was, I was an army brat. You know, yeah. I was born in Germany and, you know, on, on base where I went to where I went to school at, I was in a first, maybe second grade. I had a teacher, Miss Odom, and she was from, you know, the UK and she was really into cricket. So she would bring her bats and, you know, the wicks and everything. And she would have us play cricket. And she started like a little after school league. All I knew is take the bat that looks nothing like, you know, a baseball yeah, bat yeah, and try to just hit this ball and, you know, run back and forth. So I had no clue about the rules or anything, but I was <laughs> there pretty much every day at the school and had a blast doing it. Super fun. I, bet. I, I yeah. did rugby and I started in high school you know? and it probably took me three years to be, figure out like when the ref would blow the whistle. I'm like, what, the, what happened? What the hell just happened? Why? You know, why did he stop the day, game? 
to this day, I couldn't tell you what a first class century or any of that is, you know? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, Will, thank you so much for coming on, dude. I really appreciate it. And I, I just like seeing people's mindset about adventure. So, I mean, is there any other like lasting thing you would like to say about just like the concept of an adventure? You know, when it comes to an adventure, I would tell everybody to keep an open mind out there. You know, it may not be going the way you plan it to go, but it's going the way it needs to be. Just embrace it and, you know, take it for what it is. And if you want to go on an adventure, you want to do something, you have the ability to do it, then go out there and do it. You know, this is it's a short life. We can put things off and we can put things off, but it has a way of happening without us. And so, you know, if you have that ability to do the things you want to do now, do them because it's not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah, I love that, dude. Where uh, where can people kind of like follow your future adventures? Uh, you can uh, find me on Instagram at Akuna Hikes, you know, or my website, akunahikes.com, you know, and, and I try to post and I try to share it all. So, nice, you know, man. if you want to see what I'm up to, just come on board. Join the fam. I love it, dude. I highly recommend the ESPN article, too, for people <laughs> listening. It was badass. But all right, man. Well, thanks. I appreciate talking with you. Uh, no problem. I had a great time, Chris. I <laughs> see you, dude. All right. That wraps up this week's show. Be sure to check out all of Will's stuff. Um, go to Akuna Hikes on Instagram. Uh, and akunahikes.com. Check out the ESPN article. It's awesome. I sent it to a few coworkers and, um, you know, and even some, like one of my coworkers going through a pretty rough time after the Louisville fires. And he said it was a really uh, inspiring thing to read um, just with the idea of like, you know, giving yourself space and, and processing uh, certain situations that have happened in life. And once again, man, like sometimes I feel like I do these outros to remind myself of this stuff (laughs) more than anybody. Like sometimes I feel like the outros here like turn into a pep talk for me, um, trying to put in words what I believe but don't always live up to. Right. So and I think I think like heading out into the wilderness and heading out into really the unknown. I mean, you don't know, you can have ideas of what the adventure is going to be like, but you really don't know exactly what's going to happen every time. But doing that is going to allow yourself to connect with yourself at a much deeper level. Um, you know, and I love what Will was saying about like just getting away from the distractions. Like there's something about being out of phone service and not being able to have, you know, 15, 20 things every half an hour distracting you, right? Like having your brain really focus on one thing for an extended amount of time and not bouncing around between all this stuff. I mean, kind of like, I think if you did an exercise where for like 10 minutes, you just wrote down, I don't know how you do this. People probably figured this shit out. But if you just wrote down, um, you know, like where your brain went to in 10 minutes, you know, like if you had a flow chart or like one of those weird, you know, um, yeah, like note card graphs with like ropes tied to other things and you saw like the path, the progression of your thoughts, you're thinking about like hundreds of things in that 10 minutes. And that's exhausting after a while. And also a lot of those things are 
things that aren't probably going to help you grow or help you expand or help you, you know, um, kind of like process situations you've gone to gone through in like a healthy way, you know, like a lot of it's just distraction. Um, and I was watching a Ted talk the other day. Let me find who it was from. Cause it was awesome. It was called five hindrances to self mastery. And it was by, uh, she hing Yi, and it's awesome. Like highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, but as I'm listening, he's talking about the idea of seeing clear. And he says, seeing clear means you can distinguish things for yourself. So you're not under the influence of anyone or anything or any situation. Like you're dis- you're distinguishing things from yourself and like your core values there. Um, and he says, when you do that, the direction you need to go is obvious. Uh, the decisions you need to make to accomplish the goals you have will be clear. There'll be more clarity. And I think like I, as I listened to that, I was thinking about, you know, talking to, uh, to Will here. And I think like, I mean, I have to imagine having never done a through hike, but someday maybe, hopefully, oh my gosh. Um, but doing this, like that has to happen. You have there has to be moments of clarity on it because you're eliminating all the other things that normally would distract you. And I'm sure like anyone who's done a through hike would probably tell you like, yeah, dude, like, but at times like your brain is doing what you do in regular life where you're like going through checklists or, you know, worried about like a conversation you might've had or something like that, you know, but, but you're eliminating a lot of the other distractions um, that you would have that me and you have and everyone has on these day-to-day situations. Um, it's awesome. Like I, my goal this summer is to get, uh, this is a weird goal. Um, but it's to get out of cell phone service more often than not, you know, like I want to get away from being connected, um, more often than not. And that's that's part of the thing that excites me about it, an adventure is just getting away from that and giving yourself that room uh, to really like think about yourself, you know, um, which is super cool, man. And I think like we talked actually, uh, I talked to Will a little bit after the podcast and I was like, man, I should have recorded this conversation, but we talked about how interesting it is like for example, the desert rats that we filmed this summer, um, I'd say like 90% of the people that were out there out of the like 30 people that were racing, like 90% of them had served in the military in some form or another. And I just find it interesting that that was like a commonality between these people who were seekers, these people who were like seeking going out into the desert to do something hard and to do it in a place that was so far away from everything else. Um, but ultimately doing it together. And I just think, I think that's interesting. Um, and I wonder if it's, it's probably a mixture of a lot of things, but the sense of community that one gets from doing an adventure like this, from having an experience like this, that's difficult with other people. Um, And then also, you know, just that healing sense of calm that you find uh, when you're way out there. So, anywho, 
that was a long outro. Um, but yeah, I love talking with Will. I, I uh, brought up the ESPN article for my students and I'm like, dude, like we were talking about uh, overcoming obstacles um, and turning obstacles and actual like stepping stones on your life's journey towards purpose and growth and success. And uh, we talked about about Will and, and, you know, the stories that he shares from the trail and and yeah, it was awesome. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you all for listening. Um, we're going to try to be back with an episode next week. I think we will, but I'm not 100% sure yet. So we'll be back, uh, most likely next Friday. Um, I have a few lined up and just trying to figure out schedules and stuff like that. So, so yeah, uh, we'll get back at you then.